0: NFL fans, welcome to fans First sports Network. My name is Jeff Hartman, and I am, as you can see by the flags behind me, someone who typically covers the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I'm also covering the National Football League, and joining me is KT Smith, the host of the Call Sheet. What's up, Kevin? How's it going?
1: It's going great, Jeff. I'm uh, kind of the dust settling on a really interesting round one and looking forward to what happens later today. Awesome time of year, very exciting, so um, I'm ready to talk about it.
0: Day one is in the books. It ended, I think it was around 11 o'clock on Thursday evening, and talk about chaos. And I'm going to ask you right out of the gate, because there were a lot of trades. Is it just me, or does it seem like in today's National Football League, the aggressive nature, maybe not caring so much about future picks, being willing to be that that team that trades up. Do you think that's kind of like the norm now? Do you think do you see it, it trending in that direction?
1: It, sure, it certainly seems that way. Uh, Arizona made three trades in the first round alone last night. They made trades before the draft. They made them during the draft. They went down, then they went back up. Uh, obviously, the, you know, the Jets, we'll talk about the Jets a little bit. They had swap picks in the Aaron Rodgers trade, and then they might wind up regretting that because then the Steelers jumped up ahead of them to grab, who they're targeting causes them to be aggressive. If nothing else, it's exciting for fans because you you just don't know what you're going to get.
0: I mean, it, the the first few picks definitely, at well, least first two, played out kind of the way we all thought they would. You know, Bryce Young goes to from Alabama goes to Carolina. I think everyone that that has. You know, yes, there might have been some talk about Carolina potentially trading that pick. There might have been some talk about, you know, someone that might want to go up and get it. I didn't think they were ever going to trade that pick. They Bryce Young goes. And then Houston, everyone had been hearing about how they were going to go defense. They were going to take a defensive player. And what we didn't know what was what is going to happen at pick 3 though. CJ Stroud goes to Ohio State. To me that was a no-brainer. You agree with that?
1: Yes, I think that that's a really good scheme fit and I would have been very surprised if the Texans did anything other than that.
0: What I didn't see coming was the Texans then trading back up to number three and getting Will Anderson Jr. out of Alabama. And now all of a sudden the Houston Texans, when you look at the their roster as it's being constructed, D'Amico Ryans has a plan, does he not? I mean, I think this is a pretty good – this is an aggressive move, but they had the draft capital to do it, and I love the move. Did you love it, or did you kind of like – maybe it was a little cringeworthy for you?
1: No, I really liked it. I mean, I listened to Nick Saban talk about Will Anderson, and I'd never heard him talk about one of his Alabama players in quite those terms. He he raved about Will Anderson's maturity and the impact that he had on the locker room. There, he just seems like a guy who is is going to change the culture of your franchise if you're Houston. You 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 need some of that. I mean, I think that's why they went and they got Miko Ryan's is because he's a guy who comes from a great culture in San Francisco, and it looks like they're they're going to try to add guys in their building who are going to bring like a winning mentality, uh, a professional attitude. Will Anderson's quote when they interviewed him I thought was fantastic. They interviewed him on the stage after he was selected, and and he said referring to the Houston coaches, he said they're good people. I want to be around good people. And I thought that that was a really interesting sort of big picture view, because here's a guy who who's not just interested in, uh, you know, what am I going to get out of this, but he's interested in how are the people who are who who I'm in the building? What are they going to be like? Who am I going to be associating with? Am I going to be in a great culture? That speaks a lot, I think, to Nick Saban's influence on him. And then listening to Saban talk about Anderson, it seems like that's something that Anderson's going to give back as well. So that seems like a really good marriage between a smart, uh, savvy head coach who knows how to build a culture and a player who's coming from that environment in Alabama.
0: I, I thought it was a great move as well. Anthony Richardson goes fourth overall to the Indianapolis Colts. So right out of the gate, you have three out of the top four picks are quarterbacks. Everyone seems to be split on Anthony Richardson as a prospect. Some people see Malik Willis 2.0. They see the didn't even have 50% completion in college when he was in Florida. Some people see an upside that's out of this world. When you look at how he tested at the combine and things like that, how do you view not only Anthony Richardson as a prospect, but also as the number four overall draft pick?
1: Well, on my call sheet show, Two weeks ago, I did an ideal scheme fits for about four or five of the players, and and my ideal scheme fit for Richardson was in fact Indy, and that's largely in part because Shane Steichen, the new head coach, has done or did I should say some really great work with Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia when he was there. There were a lot of questions about Hurts. A lot of people were saying similar things. Oh, is he just an athlete playing quarterback? Can he play quarterback in the NFL? Is he going to be accurate enough? And they're saying those things about Richardson. So, if there's a guy for him to be paired up with who will know how to use him and probably accentuate his strengths and minimize his weaknesses, it's Shane Steichen. And then you have the really fascinating backfield duo that could be Richardson and Jonathan Taylor. I mean, you're talking about two big, physical, strong, athletic guys. And I know Richardson's not a running back, but it'd be shocking if they don't use him in some design run scheme stuff. So for me, the Colts are going to be really interesting to watch because I'm really fascinated to see how they uh, scheme that offense and what they do with Richardson.
0: Do you think he's a day one starter or is this a guy that, Hey, if, if there's a lot of people that believe that Malik Willis was thrown to the wolves way too early and his confidence could be shot. And that is Anthony Richardson in that same situation where, is he better equipped to start from day one, or is this a, hey, let's slow roll it because we want this kid to mature. We want him to be the best he could be for the long term. How do you view him in that way?
1: Well, Anthony Anthony Richardson played in the SEC. Malik yeah. Willis played at Liberty. And Malik Willis played at Liberty through COVID when, when you had some of the their schedule was limited. And I think they're coming from very different situations. I think Anthony Richardson is, is much more prepared for to run an NFL team than Malik Willis was. So I don't think it's totally an apples-to-apples to apples situation. The accuracy is concerning for sure. You look at, again, man, 54% completion percentage. I think he went 9-for-27 against Florida State in his final college game. And no matter how you cut that up, that's bad. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I, – I remember Kevin Colbert, the former Steelers GM, saying – the thing that he really, really believes about quarterbacks is that you can't improve their accuracy significantly. That they come into the league uh, with a certain, a certain, with certain throwing mechanics and a, and a certain ability, and you can tweak it and you can try to minimize the weaknesses there. But you're not, you're never going to take a guy who's not accurate and suddenly turn him into a pinpoint passer. So, so that's a concern for Richardson. Do you agree but with I, that
0: as a football guy? Do you agree that that? accuracy throwing accuracy can only be tweaked with and not completely changed or improved upon
1: um to a degree i mean i'm not going to disagree with kevin colbert because i think (laughs) you know he knows a lot more (laughs) than i do but i always believe that good coaching matters and i always believe that you can change uh people's fundamentals uh you and our steelers fans we we think about the Steelers offensive line coach this past year, Pat Meyer, who who dedicated himself to remaking the technique of their entire offensive line. And the Steelers offensive line improved significantly as the season progressed. So it showed that coaching can have, can make a difference. So I think again, Steichen's, uh, the marriage of Steichen and Richardson is a good one. And if somebody can if not improve his accuracy, then at least put him in a system where he's going to, to be, you know, given the opportunity to flourish. It's like, him.
0: he's a, he's a absolutely. Uh, he's, has a prospect. And as a quarterback, he's like an enigma. And I'm excited to see what he does, how the Colts handle him, but let's go to the next pick. We don't want to spend too much time talking about one player your favorite cornerback in this in this draft class goes 5th overall to the Seattle Seahawks Devin Witherspoon out of no. Illinois even said so himself I didn't think I would be going this high but he's happy that he is do you like the fit with Seattle was it a little too high in your opinion
1: no i love devin witherspoon i think devin witherspoon is going to be great i think he's an all pro uh, you watch him play he's built for the nfl game he's the best man cover corner in the draft he is super aggressive he he uh statistically last year in man coverage, he gave up one reception for minus four yards, one catch for minus four yards.
0: That's crazy. And
1: yeah. And so the NFL game is evolving more and more into multiple coverage looks and, and disguises and rotations and all those things, just trying to confuse quarterbacks. But at the end of the day, if you can play man coverage, it solves so many problems for you. It lets you get so aggressive in other aspects of your scheme and he is super aggressive and he is uh, such a competitor. I love his competitive spirit. I love how fast he plays. There's just so many things I like about him. And Seattle uh, has a defensive scheme that is notoriously aggressive. So I think it's a great fit.
0: So he goes five and there's a couple picks after that that really didn't shock anyone. Paris Johnson Jr. Going sixth overall. Some might've said, wow, like that was surprising. I think most people tabbed him as the top tackle. In this draft class, Tyree Wilson goes seventh out of Texas Tech to the Las Vegas Raiders, and that's when things start to get interesting. Number eight, everyone's looking at the Atlanta Falcons. What are they going to do? Jalen Carter's on the board. There's several tackles on the board. Uh, Obviously, there's a quarterback, if you're thinking about Will Levis, as a potential answer there. They they seem to like Desmond Ritter in Atlanta. They go B. John Robinson running back, number eight overall, top ten pick. I can't tell you the last time. I remember hearing a top 10 running back. I guess it was Saquon Barkley probably was the last time there was a running back selected in the top 10. You hear about this Texas guy going eight overall to Atlanta. What do you think about that?
1: Personally, I would have beefed up the offensive line in Atlanta. Uh, The running game is great, but the running game doesn't work without a great O-line.
0: Ask
1: um, Najee so, Harris. <laughs> yeah, ask Najee Harris. That's right. Najee Harris's rookie year, he was contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage more than any running back in the NFL. I don't yeah. care how good you are when they're hitting you in the backfield, <laughs> that's a problem. So I you know, Bijan Robinson's a great running back, but I you know, I thought that maybe with the Eagles, a team that already has that dominant line and now is looking for a running back, he would have been a, a great fit. And I would not have questioned it if the Eagles took him. Because, because, again, they're already there. They already have one of, if not the most dominant offensive line in football. But like you said, if the Falcons like Ritter, then they're going to want to get him uh, set up front. And, uh, and it felt like with Skronsky, Roderick Jones, those guys, uh, Darnell Wright still on the board, that Atlanta had a shot to take one of those best offensive linemen.
0: See, this is what I love. You're not criticizing Robinson. You're not even criticizing the player or the pick. You're you're criticizing the fact that you felt, and I would probably agree with you, there were bigger needs for this team with players that were available at eighth overall. My, my Is my assessment accurate?
1: Well, yeah. So much about of your success is about your fit. Are, are you in the right spot? There's an awful lot of players who... Became either superstars or just kind of faded away because they didn't land in the right spot. Imagine, imagine if Tom Brady lands somewhere other than New England. The marriage of him and Bill Belichick together was absolutely perfect. Uh, if he had landed in, in another spot, he may have just they may not have saw what Tom Brady could do or been willing to 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 uh, develop him or or fit him into the scheme that allowed him to flourish, et cetera. And he just may have gone on to be a clipboard holder uh, which actually would have been wonderful but, uh, <laughs> it, would have been, yeah. it would have been very wonderful yeah so
0: I, I get what you're saying and i think when you look at the ninth overall pick here you have uh everyone's thinking chicago bears jalen carter is there and they swap picks with the philadelphia eagles the philadelphia eagles i mean i, I really don't care because it, as a steelers fan they're across state that you, you would care the CEO of fans for sports network cares, but that is they go up and get Jalen Carter ninth overall. And after they lose Javon Hargrave and you're just thinking, are you serious? Like, this is just like a, uh, the, the rich get richer in my opinion. Uh, so Jalen Carter rejoins with some of his Georgia bulldogs. That defense is basically turning into Georgia, Georgia's, I guess, super senior team. <laughs> but What do you think about Jalen Carter going to the Eagles at ninth overall?
1: Oh my gosh. You're going to put Jalen <laughs> Carter next to Jordan Davis on the interior of that yeah. defensive line again. Oh my gosh. And then I know I'm jumping ahead, but then at the end of the round, they go, they go and they get um, Nolan Smith to uh, yeah. pair him with Nickobe Dean who they took last year. You're not kidding, man. They're rebuilding the Bulldogs. Yep. You're going to rebuild a college team at the pro level. That's the one to build <laughs> to rebuild that defense. But Philly, again, they again, you talk about just what, you know, what do they want to do? Uh, defensively in Philadelphia on, but well, really on both sides of the ball, they want to be dominant up front. They want to make sure that they are controlling the trenches. I was at the Eagle Steelers game last year uh, at the link in Philadelphia and live watching live, the disparity between the two teams on the, on the lines was so noticeable. Not you know you don't really get this you don't see it as well on television as you do live. But live, the Eagles were so much bigger and so much faster and more physical up front than the Steelers uh, that you you understood why the game went the way that it did. And they're just they just keep reloading. So obviously there are concerns about Jalen Carter with with some of the off field stuff. But you got a good culture in Philly right now, coming off a Super Bowl run. He, he's a guy that doesn't have to go in and be the man. He can come in and fit in, yeah. and I think that that's a good place for him.
0: Yeah, like I said, the rich get richer, and the Philadelphia Eagles restock after they lose uh, Javon Hargrave, and then the, the tackle run sort of starts. So Paris Johnson's already off the board. The Bears, after trading with the Eagles, go with Darnell Wright out of Tennessee, and then Peter Skaronsky goes to Tennessee 11th overall. What do you think about those wright Skoronsky picks in that specific order?
1: I was surprised when Wright's name was called. Uh, because I thought that Jones was the better tackle. But I don't think you can really argue with their need to take one of those guys and on their board, they must have had him as the higher guy. Skoronsky, I think will be a guard. Uh, I think they'll kick him inside in Tennessee. Physical downhill run game, zone based run game, you know in your if you're a zone based run team, you've got to control the A gaps. You got to be able to move defenders off the ball. The A-gap is the gap between the center and guard. And you, and, and in, in a zone inside zone scheme, that's where the ball goes. It goes into the A-gaps. And so Skoranski's a guy who's got great technique and is very versatile. And a lot of teams thought that he might have been the best all-around lineman in the league. So it, it kind of makes sense for him to go there. This was the point in the draft where I think a lot of people said, all right, it could all – who knows, right? Who knows where it could go from here? Because you get anytime you get that first run, that's yeah. whatever that run might be at. Maybe it's at corners, maybe it's at receivers. In this instance, it started to be about linemen. That's where you 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 realize that hey, the teams that are a little bit lower down in the round are going to make some moves to try to get up and get the best guys because they're flying off the board. This is where I love when the draft takes off and you get that first run.
0: So. Th- That's where we are at pick number 12. Detroit has the pick. They've been trading uh, throughout the draft process, and they go with Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama, another running back in the first round. And this seemed so unorthodox to me. When you look at recent draft history, it states that running backs are not valued anymore. You can get a good one in rounds two, three, four, or later. Heck, look at uh, Steeler fans. Jalen Warren, undrafted player, had a significant role in the team as a rookie in 2022. The Alabama running back going to the Lions. DeAndre Swift is still there. I don't know. I don't really get this pick. But what do you think about that pick?
1: It was a little confusing for sure. The yeah. uh, most people believe that they could have gotten him later. Uh, my son is a Detroit Lions fan. Oh, that's Shut right. Up. I forgot about that. Yeah, he's a Lions fan. <laughs> we We're we were sitting next to each other on the couch, and he looked at me and said, "Dad, they're going to get Christian Gonzalez." And I was like, "I know." And and they announced. <laughs> And my son looked at me and he was like, who is that? He had no (laughs) idea. So, you know, I did a little parental consoling. Um, I don't know who knows. I mean, Gibbs is a home run hitter. Maybe Detroit wanted uh, an athlete uh, at running back to to pair with the more powerful downhill running of Swift. Um, They could have gotten him later for sure. But actually, I take that back. We always say that, ah, oh, they could have gotten him later. But yeah. how do we know? We don't know, right? <laughs> we don't know who's, I don't know. Maybe there was a team sitting behind Detroit that that really loved him and the Steelers, I'm sorry, the Lions knew that, right? You don't, you don't know who other teams are uh, evaluating, how they're evaluating them. It felt like they could have gotten him later. They seemed very excited when they got him. So I'm sure that they've got a distinct role for him in mind.
0: Yeah, it, it was definitely a head scratcher for me. And then you have the Green Bay Packers are on the board. This was with the trade with the New York Jets. which This was really interesting when you look at it from a global perspective because the Jets were were needing an offensive tackle. They obviously swapped first-round picks with Green Bay. Green Bay takes Lucas Van Ness, pass rusher. They continue their string of taking a defensive player in the first round. Did you have any thoughts about the Van Ness pick? He's very raw. I know that.
1: Yeah, probably a little bit of a project. Um, He's only 21 years old. He's young. He's a little limited in his repertoire right now. He's just pretty much strictly like a bull rusher off the edge. He's actually, I think he's actually a little bit better when you kick him inside. He did some really good work at Iowa as a three-tech and lined up over guards. Um, It would be interesting to see where Green Bay plays him. I was 100% convinced that they were going to take Broderick Jones in that spot. They could use offensive line help. And I had just done a feature on my last call sheet show about pick number 13 and how the, in the last 10 years of the draft, uh, teams have wound up taking an interior player either on the offensive or defensive line, and they've all turned out to be really good players. So that 13's a really lucky spot to grab linemen. Uh, and so with Jones sitting out there, I said, oh, this is, this is he goes here. But he didn't, which as Steelers fans, that turned out to be a pretty cool thing.
0: Yes. So the Steelers, then they realize the Jets have a needed tackle and the Patriots are next on the clock at 14. The Steelers call up Bill Belichick, which I still can't believe this even happened. And I know why Bill Belichick was like, let's make a deal. I want you all in front of the Jets. And so the Steelers, uh, they leap over the Jets and they take Broderick Jones 14th overall. I know you have some work. You've done some work. You've already spoken about Broderick Jones a little bit. But do you like the scheme fit for Pittsburgh?
1: It's a tremendous scheme fit for Pittsburgh. He, he's the, I think, in my estimation, the best pass protector in the draft. The Steelers really struggled at left tackle and pass protection last year. Dan Moore Jr. gave up seven sacks and 10 quarterback hits. That's Those are big numbers in the NFL. Broderick Jones allowed two sacks in his entire college career, which included over 1,200 snaps of football. No sacks given up his his uh, this past year, 2022. He's a super athlete. And uh, I think the Steelers want to get more athletic on the offensive line, so I really like that fit for them. The Jets—that's—that's uh, that's, they got caught playing the game. They you know, everybody moving around, and I think they fell back two picks in the in the Rogers trade. I, I, I'm sure the Jets would do it again if they had to do it. Acquiring Aaron Rodgers was paramount, but I, I'm—I would imagine that they felt pretty confident where they were sitting that they could stay there and land that tackle, and they got caught.
0: So Broderick Jones goes off the board. The Jets are sitting there wondering what's happening now. No wide receivers have been taken yet at this point, and they go with Will McDonald, the fourth out of Iowa State. A lot of people were saying, like, why would
1: they go in this direction? But did you like that pick? I'll be honest, I did not. I did not feel as though Will McDonald I, – I I think he's he's got some growth in front of him, and I think that he's a guy – who's a little bit of a one trick pony right now as an edge rusher that he's got to play the run better uh, that he's got some learning to do. And, and he, you know, he disappeared at times on film. And I just thought at 15, you want a, an impact player. Now you want a guy right now who can step into your lineup and contribute. And with Aaron Rodgers on board, I mean, the jets have no assurances that Aaron Rodgers will be there for more than a year. I mean, I think he'll come back next year, but you don't have any assurances of that. And wouldn't you want a guy who can who can make an impact immediately? With with given the fact that Rogers, you know, is, is near the end of his career and is and is looking to make a quick Super Bowl run in New York. So it just surprised me that they didn't take a more finished product.
0: And there we have it. We're at the halfway point of the first round. We're going to take a quick break. If you're watching live on Facebook or YouTube, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. On the audio side, you'll hear us right afterward from the sponsors. I'm Alex Rodriguez. All right, NFL fans, we left you off with the 15th pick, Will McDonald, the fourth out of Iowa State, and now we go to 16, the Washington Commanders, and we talk about runs. Here's another one on cornerbacks, Emmanuel Forbes, who I think you might have high schoolers that play defensive back that weigh more than this guy, out of Mississippi State. He goes to the Commanders at 16 overall. I'm sorry, Kevin, a guy that weighs 165 pounds, you can say what you want about thinning out for the combine, trying to be as fast as possible. I just picture a situation where 235-pound Najee Harris breaks the ball to the outside and he's one-on-one with a hundred and sixty-five-pound defensive back. It just doesn't add up for me. Is that a big deal for you, though, as a coach?
1: Yes, that's a huge deal.
0: (laughs) I was gonna say some people (laughs) pass it off. They're like, he's a willing tackler. It doesn't matter if the dude outweighs him by 70 pounds. (laughs)
1: Well, he better be willing to get run over then because you know he's because here's what's going to happen in that situation. He is going to try to put his shoulder pads on Najee Harris's shins and Najee Harris is going to jump over him and run for 10 more yards. Uh, That's a problem. The Broderick Jones film breakdown I did for the Steelers site is is littered with with uh, clips of Broderick Jones running out to the perimeter on receiver screens and annihilating cornerbacks. So it <laughs> just, you have to run around blocks. There's You have no choice but to run around blocks when you're 165 pounds. And there's nothing sound about that. I think teams, you can formation teams into forcing the corner into becoming a run fitter. You get into like a tight end wing set or, or you trade into some sort of a bunch and it brings that corner down and he now has to set the edge on the run teams are absolutely going to target Forbes. I know he's a, he's a great ball Hawk. I know he's a guy that produced a ton of interceptions and, and Washington will try to use him in their scheme to maximize his strengths. But I just don't know how you get away with shielding him from being a run defender.
0: I just don't understand that this process at this point of the draft, because you now you get to new England at 17 and they obviously traded back with the the Pittsburgh Steelers, but you, you said your son, the Detroit Lions, we're going to get Christian Gonzalez. Christian Gonzalez was supposed to be the number one corner in this class, and already you've had a couple go in front of him, and now finally he's off the board at 17 going to New England. First question is, why do you think there was the fall if you could pinpoint anything? And then is it a good fit in New England?
1: Uh, it's a Well, to answer the second question first, it's a fabulous fit in New England because they are so multiple on defense and they run so many different uh, coverages and disguises and and use their personnel in such varied ways that this is a guy who has that varied skill set. He can do just about everything. He's, he's so tough. I mean, I, his, I love his toughness, his versatility. So he's a great scheme fit. Uh, sometimes when you're really, really versatile, you can maybe get pinpointed as a Jack of all trades and a master of none. And it may be that the team's ahead of, them, uh, New England, who were looking for a corner, wanted a guy for with a specific trait. So, obviously, Washington wanted a guy who they deemed a ball hawk, a guy who could be a splash player and potentially make game-changing interceptions. And they valued that more than they valued Gonzalez's versatility. But I just think Christian Gonzalez is a great football player. And yeah, I don't know. You, I, I feel like you, you look for football players over – uh you know potential like the guys that like like are specific to one skill yeah
0: it was it was a shock for me uh just as someone who and i'm not a draft nick at all to see christian gonzalez fall all the way to 17 was remarkable and then the detroit lions he again there he goes jack campbell they they take a they take a, a lions defender with an inside linebacker i know you were high on jack campbell do you like the fit in detroit
1: yeah, I really liked him a lot, but I—he's I, another guy that you just thought, oh, maybe he's a second rounder or end of the first round. But Dan Campbell, the the Lions' coach, seems to to know exactly what he's looking for. He's pinpointing guys who everybody, every everyone's going to grade these drafts, right? And and, and they're going to come out, and you're going to be like, oh, the Lions get a D because they reached for these guys. One of the most annoying terms to me uh, when when people talk about the draft is when they talk about value. Oh, he's not a good value there. Well if Dan Campbell, I'm sorry if Jack Campbell goes on to become a 10-year starter at inside linebacker and the, and the captain of the Lions defense, well guess what he' was great value. yeah so so I understand the concept of talking about value, but if you believe a guy is right for you and you believe he fits your scheme and you believe that you can get him right now, it's hard to say, it's hard to criticize. It's hard to say, oh you, you should have waited to get him later because there he goes. you know the Jets found out about that with Broderick Jones.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it. I like the guy, and I know a lot of Steeler fans were hoping maybe to get him in the second. He goes at 18, and then Kalaja Kansi goes, and this is out of pit. He goes to Tampa Bay. A lot of people were making comparisons to Aaron Donald. I don't think that's fair to anyone involved in that conversation, considering Aaron Donald's a unique beast. Yeah. Uh, but what did you think about uh, Kalaja Cancy going down to Tampa Bay?
1: I think he's a guy who will flourish depending upon their scheme. He's a penetrator, man. He's like built to get into the, the backfield, but he's also susceptible to getting moved by bigger offensive linemen or, or getting trapped because he can play up the field a little bit. Um, and so, all depends on how Tampa wants to use him. I, I mean, he he strikes me more as a four-three penetrator. So we'll see what the Buccaneers do with him. I think he could have a little boomer bust potential.
0: So then the run on wide receivers happens. It finally happens at pick number 20, the Ohio State wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba. He goes off the board. So again, Seattle takes Smith and Jigba. Then the Chargers take Quentin Johnson out of TCU. Then out of Boston College, Zay Flowers goes to the Baltimore Ravens. Then out of USC, Jordan Addison goes to the Minnesota Vikings. In that order, those four receivers fly off the board. What were your thoughts on the run? Uh, and maybe out of those four, which is the best fit in your opinion?
1: Well, I, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is the best player. I hate to say this, but I think Zay flowers is fit in Baltimore is Ah. excellent. (laughs) say that. (laughs) It's just more speed. They're just, they're so fast and they've now got the power run game. And so, okay, well, how do you defend the power run game? Well, you drop a safety, right? You, You bring an extra, an extra defender into the box and now they add a slot receiver uh, who can who can take the top off of coverage or you know beat safeties deep if if they drop down and that just uh, when they picked his name I hated it so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ravens fans I think you should be happy but Jeff and I not now, so much now. Jordan Addison was interesting uh, I he you know, I, I did an article recently where it was like uh, if the Steelers don't choose a tackle or a corner who are some players that they might take. And, and I mentioned Jordan Addison's name and one of the posters accused me of writing a clickbait article because there's no way in the world that Jordan Addison will ever be taken above the third round. And you're oh, just wow. like, yeah, <laughs> we don't know. How to, when people make these definitive statements, I'm team, yeah. I am just like, want to like smack myself in the head and be like, how do you know that? How do you know that, uh, you know, what somebody's draft board looks like or the way in which teams values players? It's just a whole lot of echo chambers out there.
0: So the wide receiver run, it's going to be interesting to how those play out. Uh, Deontay banks, cornerback and the, the, the giants actually moved up to get him. He goes to the New York giants out of Maryland, Deontay banks. And this is going to be something we're going to talk about here shortly. He's the last cornerback taken in the draft. And there's a big name that didn't even get selected, but I know that you were high on Deontay banks. You liked his film. Do you like the fit there with New York?
1: Yeah, I, I like him a lot. He's a super competitor and, and a really aggressive guy and, um, I think one thing I like about him is, is when you listen to people talk about him, they say that he has a short memory, which I think is a great trait for a corner that yeah. if, if I get beat, so what I'm going to line up and I'm going to compete on the next play. And I'm not going to let that bother me. And if, and, and that's how you got to play at the corner position. So he, he, he he's a guy I would have liked, to, uh, if he had landed in Pittsburgh and, and the giants, I think got a good one.
0: Dalton Kincaid, the Buffalo Bills trade up to get the tight end out of Utah. Uh, obviously, they're they're looking for more weapons. Uh, do you like that fit in in Buffalo with Josh Allen?
1: Sure. I mean, you know, there's there were three good tight ends available. I'm curious as to why they liked Kincaid over Michael Mayer. Uh, most people seem to think that Mayer was the most complete of those three players uh, among Kincaid, Mayer, and uh, Darnell Washington, but. Uh, they went for Kincaid probably a little bit. He's a little bit quicker. Maybe they want a guy that can stretch the seam a little bit more. That would be my guess there.
0: And this is the, the 27th pick. You know, you, Mozzie Smith out of Michigan goes to Dallas. And this was a guy that I didn't see many people having a, a round one grade on. That doesn't mean that the Dallas Cowboys don't value him and see him in that way. But what were your thoughts on Mozzie Smith coming out of Michigan in general? And And do you like that him being in Dallas?
1: I thought the Cowboys would go offensive line, actually, um, and they went defense. Maybe they didn't have any offensive linemen they liked yeah. uh, on the board still. The Harrison kid uh, from Oklahoma went with the very next pick. Maybe yeah. Dallas didn't like him as much. Um, I felt like I, the Cowboys are are usually pretty solid up front on both sides of the, of the football. Uh, if they were going to pick a, a down lineman here, I, I thought Brian Brise might be the guy, but he's got an injury history, so... Uh, may, that probably scared them away. I'm guessing that's why they chose Smith.
0: So, yeah, Harrison goes next to the Jaguars who had been trading around the first round. Um, I, I Again, Anton Harrison was a guy when I did just some brief, very brief reading about him. Everyone thought that he was a project. He's more of a day two pick They take him at 28th overall. Miles Murphy, the defensive end out of Clemson, goes to the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals add to their defense. Were you surprised
1: there? I think, uh, he was expected to go a lot higher and yeah, as a, I thought the Bengals were going to go tight end cause they lost Hayden Hurst, yeah. And I thought that they said, you know, Oh, here we go. We got a guy now that we can plug in and mayor. They didn't take him, but they must've just loved Murphy. And like, you know, yet you sometimes you get that situation where you just don't think a guy is going to be available to you and you wind up taking him because he is. So he's, he's a pretty accomplished, uh, edge rusher and, you know, a nice addition to their defense.
0: He and uh, Mr. Broderick Jones might have a nice long uh, career together in the AFC North, Yeah, but then let's go to know up, each other. Yeah. Brian Brisset to uh, you just mentioned his injury history out of Clemson goes to the saints. We mentioned Nolan Smith out of Georgia, going to Philly with 30 pick 30 and then Felix, no clue how to say his last name out of Kansas state. The defensive end uh, goes to Kansas city. What were your thoughts on those final three picks? Anything stand out?
1: Well, just Nolan Smith to the Eagles. Uh, gosh, this is a guy who ran a four three eight forty at uh, as a two hundred and forty pound edge rusher, and Philly won't need him to be like a polished every down guy. They'll be able to actually just kind of plug him in where they where they see him as a best fit. They're just so deep on their defensive front right now. Um, and uh, the last pick didn't—that uh, surprised me. We'll, we'll just call him Mr. Felix here. He, uh, he <laughs> just because you know you, the the Chiefs are so, they just they just seem to to have uh, such specific, you know, needs, and and they know what they're looking for. So so I, that name I wasn't really familiar with him as a prospect. I didn't know him a whole lot about him, but I'm gonna guess that Andy Reid's got a really specific need uh, for an edge rusher, and they'll, they'll they make it work, man. The Chiefs know yeah. what they're doing.
0: That they do, and you look at it from, that's round one, and there's a lot of really talented players still on the board, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, this is from Tom Pellicero of the NFL Network, saying that as of late last night, Omar Khan and Mike Tomlin's phones are already blowing up. Uh, according to ESPN, take that for what it's worth, the overall rankings here are the best players available still on the board as round round two and three get ready to kick off tonight friday night at 7 p.m will levis michael mayer tight end joey porter jr my gosh some people have thought that he was going to be the first cornerback taken he didn't even get selected in the first round brian branch out of alabama safety defensive back luke musgraves tight end out of oregon state hendon hooker quarterback out of tennessee steve avila offensive guard at tcu keanu benton wisconsin defensive tackle Jonathan Mingo, wide receiver out of Ole Miss, and Darnell Washington, Georgia, out of tight end. There's still a lot of offensive line talent like Joe Tippman, Osiris Torrance still out there. Uh, you're talking about John Michael Schmitz for a team that needs a center. I know it's a lot, but what do you think about some of these players falling the way they did, whether it's Levis? I'm more fascinated by Joey Porter Jr. What do you think about that heading into day two?
1: Right, so so if you look at the teams who pick at the top, around too. the Steelers have the first selection. The Cardinals have the second. You know that neither one of those teams is going to take a quarterback, right? So if you're a team a little bit further down in the draft, let's say Seattle, who picks sixth in the second round, Tennessee maybe, Tennessee who picks tenth in the round, maybe the maybe the Saints. I don't know. You know where how yeah. how it'll work out with Derek Carr, but one of those teams may be interested in trading with the Steelers or the Cardinals to get up ahead of a team like Seattle who, who probably does need a quarterback. So I would think that if you're again, the Steelers or the Cardinals, there's an awful lot of uh, opportunities for you to move down. If you're Pittsburgh yeah, Steelers fans would have been pretty happy if they would just taken Joey Porter Jr. at number 17. So yeah. they could now get him at 32 if they want to stamp at. A really interesting name for the Steelers is Brian Branch because he's such a versatile player, and the Steelers lost a versatile safety in Terrell Edmonds, and I think Branch would be a guy who you could plug in and do a lot of what Edmonds did. Uh, but I, I, one thing that Steelers fans have learned from watching uh, Omar Khan operate in his first season as GM is that he's extremely aggressive and willing to make moves. So it won't shock me at all. If Pittsburgh trades out of that 32 spot.
0: Well, my last question for you before we end the show is as, as a coach, now you're the coach are you wouldn't be the GM, but even if you put yourself in that GM role for just a second, you see a tremendous amount of value on the board right now. You see a player like Joey Porter. You see some tight ends. You see some centers. You you could go a lot of different directions, but your phone's blowing up, and people are offering you, hey, like we'll give you a third, or maybe we'll give you a fourth because you just lost your fourth to New England. Uh, We'll swap and and you know maybe a next year a pick next year. I don't know what the case would be. I don't know what the value chart states that first pick in the second round is. Where do you go? Where does your mind go? Does your mind go to? man, I can't pass up on that Joey Porter Jr. We didn't even think he was going to be there. We, we didn't know he'd be there at 17, and here we are at 32. Or do you think more long-term and say, I really want to get those picks?
1: I think each team has to evaluate that based upon their their uh, roster. You look at where your biggest needs are. I think if, if you believe that there's a guy who's a plug-and-play guy who's going to help you right now, and you believe that you're good enough to compete for uh, the playoffs or maybe even a championship, then you stand pat and you take that guy. But I think if you feel as though that you're still building out your roster and that depth is more important than immediate impact, then you try to you know make the trade and take the haul. So I think a team like Arizona would be wise. They, they've got a new regime there in Arizona and they're kind of turning things over. They'd be wise to move down because they can. they've got lots of areas where they can really bolster their roster. The Steelers are in a similar position, although with a I think the Steelers have a pretty significant need at corner and I don't think that they want to lose out on Porter because I think once Porter goes, I mean, you still got a couple other guys that that they could take like the Ringo kid from Georgia. There's a few others. Julius uh, Brents,
0: I think. Julius Brents, yep. yeah.
1: So, I mean, maybe they like those guys, and and they can move back. But it all depends on on how much you feel the best guy on your board is worth to you, and is you is he worth staying pat and, and taking him?
0: I think Omar Khan makes the trade, but that's just me. But that's just me, me. Too. me <laughs> too.
1: Yeah, I absolutely do. I was not surprised at all when he when he tra- made that trade in the first round. I won't be surprised if he moves back in this one.
0: And I wouldn't be shocked if there's more trading. With him in general, you know, and and this is definitely a change of of scenery for Steeler fans. Kevin Colbert was a little more conservative uh, during his tenure over two decades. But real quick, I want to get you to, who was who were some big winners for you in terms of teams after round one. Were there any teams that stood out that you are like, man, they got they got some great players or just a great player that's a good fit? What what do you think?
1: Well, I I think the Eagles just that what the Eagles are doing right now is that they're continuing to uh, strengthen their areas of strength, and there's yeah I think there's two like philosophies on that. You say, all right, we're already good here, so let's bolster our weaknesses, or you say, we're, we're good here, we win because of this. Now let's be dominant here, yeah. and I think that's what the Eagles are doing. I think the Eagles know their roster, and they know and they know what they uh you know how they want to win football games. Identity I think is a huge thing uh, in in sports. You know, knowing who you are because it allows you to operate from a frame of reference. And I think that the Eagles are doing that. So I think that's a, a huge win for them. Uh, I'll be I, Everybody talks quarterbacks. Everybody loves quarterbacks. I'll be really interested to see how it plays out with the two quarterbacks at the top of the draft. I like both of those fits. I like Young in Carolina, and I like Stroud in Houston. I actually think Houston's maybe a little bit of a better situation in the long term than, than Carolina is. And so – I think maybe the recipe for success for, for C.J. Stroud is is a little bit more attractive than it is for Bryce Young. So it would be fascinating to follow their careers as those guys evolve. You, you, get, you go one, two, quarterbacks one, two. You're always going to be compared to each other for the rest of your career. So yep. I'll be interested to watch that.
0: It's going to be fascinating, and I think we're going to be back tomorrow, right, to talk about day two, and and we're not going to go through every pick, but we're going to talk about maybe some surprises, teams that really have done a good job on day one and day two. But, Kevin, why don't you go ahead, while we have the opportunity, plug your uh, podcast and tell them where they can find you on social media.
1: Yeah, so my podcast is called The Call Sheet. Uh, It's on uh, the FFSN NFL feed. Uh, It's a a conversation usually about – contemporary nfl topics in the first half and then i always have a guest on a lot of the guests i i have on are coaches and we try to talk about some of the things that make football unique the scheme stuff the culture stuff uh we talk about the business end of it just try to pull back the curtain a little bit for people and and reveal how the game works and um and on twitter if you want to follow me on twitter it's uh, i'm at KT Smith ffsn and uh, it's been a wonderful opportunity so far, and, and the network's been going great. People like Jeff and Brian Anthony Davis and Dave Schofield are absolutely crushing it. Those guys are working their butts off. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know <laughs> if they realize that they still have wives and families. You know, they're <laughs> so much. Uh,
0: There's five kids around the house all the time. So I mean, it's just constant chaos. So nothing really changes.
1: But well, you guys are you guys are doing an amazing job. So sure we're, we're, you, all, we're, we're part of a really cool uh, venture here, and and I'm uh, grateful for the opportunity.
0: Yeah, the only thing I can ask for all the listeners out there, whether you're watching us on our Facebook feed, maybe you caught us on YouTube, maybe you're on Twitter, share, share, tell people about Fans for Sports Network. Share the feed, share the show. Follow us on those social media platforms. Where everywhere you want to look, if you look Fans for Sports Network on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, we are there. The website's coming out soon. I'm excited for that. We all are excited about the NFL Draft, and we'll be back tomorrow to talk about all things Day Two. See you next time.